Here we go. Yes, you're listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, September the 24th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me, my co-host, Pastor Wes Reimnitz. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing fine. How are you? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I'm really looking forward to this. It comes about because of two sources. First of all, I preached on this text last Sunday, and I tell you, I I put a lot of study into this because I did not understand the text either. And then yesterday, CFW Walther, in his Thesis 11, he says this, the most difficult task assigned to a minister of the church is to preach. They believe that if only they are careful to preach nothing but the pure word of God without adding any heresy, that must be enough. Such preachers have given in to a horrible and very dangerous error. Mere pious talk without any purpose or logical order is not genuine preaching. And then he says, to achieve this task, it is important to rightly distinguish the truth, as the apostle says, or to rightly distinguish law and gospel. And the text mm-hmm. that I found real interesting was from Matthew chapter 20, and it ends with verse 16. So the last will be first, and the first last. I always have an interesting time trying to figure this out. It's about a parable of a master of a house who goes out and he hired laborers uh, right away in the morning. Then he does it at the uh, third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the 11th hour he hires someone. And guess what? At the end of the day, they all get the same wage, a denarius, which he had agreed to with the first. Now you try and do that at McDonald's, if you're the manager, you hire (laughs) women in the morning, and then men at different hours, and when they all get off, you pay them the same wage. What do you think's gonna happen, Wes? (laughs) I think he'd have a major revolt among the workers. Well, you'd have the government agency phoning you, you know, and talking about uh, you broke the laws of equal salary for equal time, regardless of gender, and you'd be in big trouble. So when you read the Bible, you must make a distinction when God is talking about his rules in the temporal realm versus his rules in the spiritual realm because Mm. you can't take the spiritual realm and apply it to business or you you could end up being arrested. So here's the text. The last will be first and the first last. What did you find that some people are doing in preaching that? (laughs) Oh, it was was quite a... a, uh, a thing going through the, the various uh, churches that, that I was listening to on Sunday. It was, uh, of course, the gospel lesson in many churches over the Sundays. And uh, I just, after I finished up with 
with a couple of Lutherans, I, I started doing some scanning. That's what the pandemic does when you're kind of shut down. You, you right. start looking at, at various ser- services. One was a, was a Roman Catholic priest who said that uh, it, the, the text taught him to pray more so that he could get more grace so that uh, he could do better and uh, being equal with with everybody that's out there. Another Joel Olstein was work harder on your ideas so God can approve them. And then uh, that was his understanding of this text. That's what they had on for Sunday morning. Oh boy! So the harder you work, then you're going to be more successful. Yeah, he was, and he was talking about his call to God to go out there and work in in the fields. That when uh, he, ah yes, he, before he, he he gave up going to the seminary and and all those things that God was calling him at that time to go work in the fields. Yes, the 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 things that I often hear, uh, even among Lutheran pastors is the text is pretty clear that on the last day or whenever the Lord's going to reward us for what we uh, are, everyone gets the same wage. We all go to an eternity in heaven. And so a lot of times they're preaching that we're saved by grace, not by our merit, which is not wrong, but it still doesn't answer the question and and that's the application. You see, it's not enough to do a sermon where you kind of explain the words from the text. What you need to do is apply it to the people in the pew. And so the question I asked, uh, as I always do at the beginning of every sermon, a question are, and I'm talking to the congregation members, so are you part of the last or are you part of the first? And I don't often hear them talking about that. They stay on, you know, salvation by grace, but they don't indicate who is the first and who is the last. That would be, yeah, rather interesting. And any of them, you including the, the, among the Lutherans, they didn't ask that question, who's the first and who's the last? It kind of brings to mind, what would you call the thief on the cross? Was he the first or was he the last? Yes, uh, a lot of times they take it in the sense of uh, chronological, but I'll tell you, the answer should be, if you're dealing with your old Adam, that you would want to be the first um, or, or I'm sorry, the last. Why? Because you only have to work one hour and you get the same pay. <laughs> so yeah. everybody from a selfish point of view, wow, I'll be part of the last. And, and there are actually people in the history of the church that said they wouldn't be baptized until their deathbed because they thought that once they're baptized, they're fine unless they start continuing to do any sin, and then they're in trouble. So they would postpone their baptism 
which well, was ridiculous. Make, that would make a lot of sense. So, you know, I don't have to, to, uh, I can go out there and, and be wild in my sins and then wait, uh, to, to, to the last to finally be converted. Yes. The other reason they don't want to be the first is they have to work longer, get the same kind of salary. But verse 10 and 11 is really interesting. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more uh, than the ones who had only worked uh, an hour or so. But each of them also received a denarius. Now, listen to verse 11. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. So if you say you're part of the first, that means you're a grumbler. If you're part of the last, you get the same wage with little work. Who wouldn't want to be the last? But is that really the meaning of the parable? No, you, you, you know, really, um, isn't Jesus talking about it from his, his kingdom, you know, where he told Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world? Excellent point. A lot of people think this is judgment day, so that those who were first, and, and some commentators, who were the first? to be brought into the kingdom of God in the Bible, Wes? Well, it would have been, if you look in the Old Testament, uh, the nation of Israel. Exactly. And who do they say, therefore, were the last to be brought in? <laughs> well, it would be the Gentiles, if you remember Simeon's song, A Light Unto the Gentiles. Exactly. And I'll tell you this, boy, if you take a look, the discontent of the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son is a case in point where he doesn't like the idea at all that the son is coming back after wasting <laughs> money and, and made son again. In Acts 13, the Jews are filled with envy that the word should be spoken to the heathens. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, St. Paul complains that the Jews forbade him and his fellow apostles, quote, to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, unquote. So there are some who would interpret it this way, that the first is Israel and they fell from the faith and the second or the last are the Gentiles. There's one problem with that, though, is, is it talking about the Israel that fell from the faith? Mm. Yeah, see, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I, I would think of the new Israel, the believers. Well said. In, in other words, the fact of the matter is that when... The first who grumble against God, well, God speaks to them and he says, you know, I'm the one who have what I have. Do I not have the right to choose to give to this last worker as I give to you? And then he mm -hmm. says, 
uh, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? But this is very important. The first still receives the denarius. So we cannot be talking about a difference between believers and unbelievers here. These are, as you said, uh, Jesus is talking uh, perhaps to the people of his day, including his disciples. And, And in fact, the Old Testament reading was from Isaiah 55. And here's what he says. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So the point I think that needs to be made is that when Jesus says the first will be last and the last will be first, the first and the last include all believers. Uh, I Mm. said to the congregation, because the first murmured, that can't mean they go to hell because we have to say that everybody in this congregation will be going to hell because they murmur against God. Now, if you were doing that sermon, Wes, how would you demonstrate that the people in the pew murmur against God? Murmur against God? Well, (laughs) I guess... uh, I'm I'm having a hard time to take a look at that because I, I always viewed it as, you know, the more the merrier, the more believers that you brought in uh, through through the grace of God, it would be a good thing. I I can't understand why we would what would cause us to murmur against uh, bringing in more people. Well, let me give time, you. Well, but by the time you get to heaven. It's not going to make any difference, is it? I mean, but this isn't just, talking about Judgment Day or heaven. It's talking okay. about what's going on in the church today, and that's where a lot of people make their mistake. Uh, I think I know you pretty well. You murmur against God all the time, Wes. <laughs> we are. What's it called? Sin. Yes. <laughs> I mean, these congregational members confess that we are poor, miserable sinners deserving what? Nothing but eternal punishment. Temporal and eternal punishment. Why? Because every sin is a murmuring Murmuring. against God. Yeah. Yeah, from that, yes, from from that aspect, you're, you're absolutely correct. And therefore, it can't be saying that every member of the congregation is going to hell because what do we do in the liturgy prior to receiving the Lord's Supper? Prior to receiving the Lord's Supper, we confess our sins and receive absolution. Exactly. Exactly. And how does that absolution begin? Upon... This your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, or by the authority of my Lord Jesus Christ, forgive you all your sins. 
Exactly. In other words, that's what I think this parable is talking about. You can have somebody who's been in the church all their life, and then somebody joins on a Sunday and dies on a Monday, and we give them a full Christian burial. And somebody may complain, wow, how come he gets all the benefits? I've been in the church all my life. See, that's a grumbling against God. Yeah, I, I knew of a, a new pastor to a congregation when went out to his member, elderly member, and gave him communion, you know, to make confess his sins and right. shut in. And uh, he died, and they gave gave him the full Christian uh, funeral based upon his confession of sins and things like that, and his belief in Jesus. And the congregation murmured. They said. Pastor, do you understand he never went to church, even though he was a mile down the road when he when he had the time, and yet you gave him a full burial? <laughs> yes. In fact, that would have happened to Saul the day after the Damascus experience when he fell off the horse and he came to faith. If he had died the next day, Ananias wouldn't have baptized him. He would have buried him. Yeah. and he had been murdering Christians. In fact, even when he came to faith, he would go to a Christian home and they didn't want to let him in because they weren't sure he was coming to arrest them. That's quite a a difference. What's what's that hymn that we we sing, Chief of Sinners, so I be, Christ is all in all to me. You know, Paul would, would say that he was the chief of all sinners. So this text where it talks about the last first or first last is not talking about judgment day. It's not talking about the difference between believers and unbelievers, although that does occur elsewhere in the Bible. It's really talking about what is happening in the kingdom of God here on earth, which we call the Holy Christian Church. And I believe the parable is a warning to the apostles. They may think they're super eminent over those called later than themselves. Remember that one mother said to Jesus, put my one son on your right, the other on the left. Well, what Jesus is teaching is not only to the disciples to have greater humility and be more modest, but not to make yourselves a preference above others, but willingly to share with them a common prize of eternal life. Mm. Now, that's what the point of that parable is about. It's talking to every one of us. Got a question for you. Uh, does uh, Does this apply to when we have people that have strayed, haven't been in church for a while, and then they show up and the congregation begins to mumber, murmur, you know, what are they doing here? Well, I've never had that experience when a delinquent shows up. Normally in the congregations I've served, the people are really happy. But here's a story I tell where you're in church 
and a Hell's Angel motorcycle guy comes in. He smells like beer. He's got torn clothes. <laughs> and he sits in the pew. He listens to the sermon. And then he walks out. Then one of the older members of the congregation, a woman, comes up to the pastor and says, why did we allow him to come into our church? And the pastor looks at her and he answers, well, we allowed you. Ooh, okay. There's no I difference between the two. What's the what? There's no difference between the two. No, there isn't. They're both sinners in need of hearing the message. And, yeah, it's often interesting. You hear in some congregations that people are criticized the way they're dressed or this kind of thing. Or on Easter Sunday, they don't have their best on or whatever. This is a beautiful parable because when you grumble against a member of the congregation, you're really grumbling against God. Explain that in the sense of who did Adam blame? <laughs> well, Adam ultimately blamed God. He, he says, the woman you gave to me. Exactly. So, yeah. A lot of people think he blamed Eve, but he finally did blame God. And, and that's what kind of a improper form of repentance is where we're always blaming the circumstances in which we live as the reason why we're sinning, which means we're always murmuring against God. Yeah, I kind of like the way you interpret it. I've never quite heard it that way before. And I think it makes a whole lot more sense when you when you look at that parable. Yes, because remember, even the first still get the denarius. So these are people who murmured, but repent of that murmuring, and God restores them. And the last, uh, the Gentiles, we also need to realize you and I are a Gentile, <laughs> Wes, <laughs> and we sin daily by thought, word, and deed. Praise the Lord. Yeah, when you stop and think about it, uh, or as Walter described, you know, often our contrition and repentance comes after we are saved, you know, and it is a, a kind of a loving murmur to, to God uh, of those confessions that we make. That's why it's important that in a sermon, and so many sermons are like this, where the preacher thinks he's doing a sermon because he's repeating what the professor said in class. But a professor in class is usually doing the interpretation, not the application. Okay. And so every time a preacher does a sermon, he needs to look out at his audience and say, okay, here's how this applies to every one of them. And it applies in a law sense. And then once they recognize that they have fallen short and murmured against God, then you give them the good news of the gospel 
you're still going to get the denarius because you believe in the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. It's just, it's a peace, it's a a comfort to to know that for, for each and every one of us. Yes, and when we say we believe, what we're believing is the gospel. And it's not just the historical events of what Jesus endured. It is also including the promises connected to those historical events. So he didn't just die on the cross. He died to take away our sins. He didn't just rise from the dead, but the Father rose him from the dead for our justification. And that's why those who often confess their sins do it with a smile on their face because they know what's going to come after the confession. Oh, it's it's a wonderful news of forgiveness. So I've got another sermon I'm going to be doing this Sunday, again, that has a problematic statement in it. And we may talk about that next week. Well, I'm Tom Baker and Wes Reimnitz. Thank you for listening to us. And on tomorrow's Long Gospel, it's an open mic Friday where you need to email me or write me a letter and listen to the address you can send it to at the end. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.